Episode 295 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Seminoff. Ryan Beatty is the newest member of the Sedgwick County Commission, and he joins us on this week's podcast. We talk about growing up in Wichita, where he got his business acumen, and how that experience as owner of the Mattress Hub can translate into being an effective county commissioner. We also talk about his priorities now that he's on the commission. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is a look at our new program called DEICT. It combines DEI, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion, with Wichita's airport letters. The Business Journal thinks inclusion through business is critically important, and we're going to have frank conversations about that through this new group of Wichitans. You will meet them in this week's paper and read about what they'd like to accomplish. The cover story begins on page 14. This week we have two lists, specialty hospitals and craft breweries. We have analysis stories that look at, look at the uptick in patients at specialty hospitals and the uptick in sour beers at Wichita breweries. The lists begin on page 8. This week, our Women Who Lead section profiles standout women professionals in legal services. Meet these legal professionals beginning on page 23. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 32. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Ryan Beatty is the newest member of the Sedgwick County Commission, and he joins us on this week's podcast to, to talk about county government, his business that he's owned for 15 years, and how maybe one led to the other. Ryan, thanks for joining me. Good to be here, Kirk. I should also say you're a, you're a former Wichita Business Journal 40 under 40, and we'll ask about that a little bit too. Uh, so let's start. Let's start with your successful run for fourth district in the county commission race. Uh, why did you want to run? And I'm I'm interested. Why now? Yeah, and great questions, and they're fair questions. And I had to convince my wife of these things too. So I'm pretty pretty well versed in this conversation. But you know, honestly, Kurt. From my baseball career to uh, a lot of nonprofit work, ministry work is I really have the last decade plus in this community really been kind of shaped towards wanting to serve on a big level, uh, really serve not just from the business side of things, but really serve in some of the interests that really kind of move my heart, foster care reform, uh, a lot of things in regards to public school support. Uh, other areas, you know, I, I'm involved in a nonprofit that we work on transitional strategies for people that come from our uh, state penitentiaries, getting them into transitional housing, life skills training. So these are things that have really kind of moved the needle with my heart and taken a lot of time and energy and resources from me here the last decade. And then when I kind of surveyed the scene on where we were here locally here uh, the last few years, I really saw two sides of one coin. On one side of the coin, I saw a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, I, as a small business person here in this community for the last 
decade plus, I've heard about Oklahoma City and Tulsa and Omaha and 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 I really saw all the necessary ingredients here and and, and really wanted to be in the room to help kind of shape and steward where we're going. Uh, but on the other side of the coin, I also was saw I was rather frustrated as well, um, particularly with where I was in District Four and the lack of progress on issues that I care deeply about: mental health reform, substance abuse, uh, some of the economic development that was happening. I just I felt frustrated. Um, uh, so those things from just wanting to contend and felt feeling compelled to, to, to actually serve on a big level, coupled with some frustration, it kind of brought me to this moment of saying, hey, I feel like I have a voice and I feel like I can use it for uh, to serve this community. Mm -hmm. At your first official meeting, uh, you took about five minutes at the end of the meeting to kind of talk about the things you just talked about. Uh it, was it? Did you kind of look at that as I'm I'm going to give my my agenda for what I want to get accomplished? How, how did you look at that? Yeah, that was the first real opportunity I had on a public level in that position to say, hey, here, here's where my head and heart is. Um, and I felt that was an opportunity. And I felt I owed it not just to my district who have heard me talking about these things for a year in a campaign. But I wanted to set the stage for the community is, listen, from the district four seat, these are the things that I'm going to contend for. Uh, talked a lot about the stability of county government. Um, we've seen publicly uh, in, in the media some of the instability we've had in county government the last three or four years and how it's really impacted government service. Uh, I look at EMS. I look at county fire. I look at what's happening at the jail and the sheriff's office, corrections. I mean, Comcare. The list continues on and on. What, what, when you have instability in the core functions of county government, it impacts the quality and the effectiveness of the service. So I wanted to contend for uh, the stability of county government. I want to contend for the economic health of this community. And I think I come from a unique place as a small business owner that has been doing business in this community and across this state for you know almost two decades. Uh, this is our time is now. And I want to contend for, for the economic health of this community. I want to contend for the mental health of this community. We have some real opportunities here. And what I've been saying is I think we can be the gold standard nationally. When people look at how a community comes together and collaborates uh, to, to bring solutions and awareness to mental health and substance abuse needs, I think we have the recipe here and I think we can do it. And then lastly, uh, I want to contend for the relational health of this community. I, I think that uh, what we have seen on a national level, but what we've seen here is how uh, divisiveness and partisanship really has stagnated progress and, and, and what could happen on a local level when leadership really says, hey, we're going to get above uh, partisanship and really work for the better good of this community. And I want to be a living witness of that. So mm -hmm. those are the reasons I ran. Those are the issues I want to focus on. And I intend on doing exactly that. You in the run up to the election, you called it a, a community in crisis. Some of those things that you that you just talked about are probably lead into that. But there are there other things that really pop to mind? Yeah, I think if you talk to any teacher uh, in a classroom right now, they'll tell you about what's happening in our classrooms. And I just think we're not prepared three years, five years, 10 years down the road for the mental health and substance abuse crisis. We have a fentanyl crisis um, that legitimately uh, we can't keep up with. Um, and as a dad of three little kids, it is one of the things that keeps me up at night um, to look and see what fentanyl is doing in our community. Uh, we have, uh, you know, I think there's close to 1,500 people in our Sedgwick County Jail right now. We have almost 120, I think, is the estimate of murder suspects sitting in our county jail. Every day you turn on the news, you're reading the paper, and you see what surging crime is doing. Um, so I certainly would see that we are a community in crisis, and, and we need a, a generation of leadership to really uh, to, to, to 
paint a vision for this community and rally support. On the flip side of crisis, there's also opportunity, Kirk, and I, and I really feel like that we are positioned um, to really do some pretty amazing things here and to set our community up generationally for a track of, of real prosperity here in this community. Mm -hmm. What what does having a business background mean to you when you look at some of these issues? Do you come at it from a business perspective or do you look look at it more from a, a, a dad perspective or a, a husband perspective? All of the above. Um, I, I really do. I think the small business uh, experience has shaped me in a pretty unique way. Um, I, I think it helps me to be a little bit more in tune with what the small business owner is experiencing and the small business uh, uh, uh this community of small business owners, it's really, you know, a pretty diverse community uh, here in Sedgwick County. I, it gives me a little different purview, a little different perspective, um, but it also gives me the understanding of some of the challenges that we face. Listen, government and business are not the same thing. Um, they, 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 they have two different ends. They, they have different goals, but there are some business principles that certainly do apply to, to government and to local government that I, that I think my experience will help lend to that stewardship of a budget. Um, there's times we've got to be able in leadership to paint a vision, just like a small business owner would do. And we've got to paint vision for the organization and, and rally support. We've got to be selective in our language, um, but we've also got to be practitioners of a budget is how do we get the resources in the budget properly placed to where they can perform good government service. So although business and, and, and government are two different things, there are some applicable principles that I think my experience will, will lend towards. Mm -hmm. Before we get too far forward, I want to take a look back for folks who may not know you as well as, as some. Um, you're a Wichita native, Northwest yeah. High School kid. Uh, tell me about growing up in Northwest Wichita. Well, I actually grew up more in the north end of Wichita. So uh, I'm fourth generation Wichita. Both my dad and my mom's side of the family grew up around the 25th in Arkansas area. So, mm -hmm. uh, so actually, my first high school was actually North High. Uh -huh. I went to North High for two years, played for Kyle Sanders, played baseball there, uh, which is a wonderful experience. And then my dad built a bowling alley at 21st and Mays Road called Countryside West. This was in 1996. And, uh, and I, we didn't come from a lot of means, my family of five, and I didn't have a vehicle. And uh, driving from, we moved west, so driving all the way to North High wasn't an option, so I transferred to Northwest and, and did my junior and senior year at Northwest, but so I, I've got unique experience. I grew up in the North End, but also in Northwest Wichita. I've seen all the development there, and um, and it was a wonderful childhood, and and that that's what set me up to to move on and go to KU, and uh, I say that around here that I'm a Jayhawk, and sometimes I don't know what kind of response I'm going to get, but, uh, uh, but that was my track. You stayed in state at least. We'll give you that credit. Yeah, thank uh, you. You have a younger brother. Do you have other siblings? I do. I got a younger brother, Matt, a businessman here. We played baseball together at KU, and he does a lot of business here and a lot of investment here locally. And then I got the, the sharpest of our entire clan is actually my younger sister. She's the youngest, and she is a VP over at Emprise Bank. Mm -hmm. uh, does wealth management and some treasury resources there, and she's the sharpest of the lot. Uh, we've got a high bar with her in the family, but uh, yes, yeah, so my brother and sister. My wife was a nurse. She's from Western Kansas. So I married into a cattle family, cattle mm -hmm. ranchers. Uh, and she was a nurse. I met her here and we have three kids, 10, eight and six. And they all go to the May School District. <laughs> I did some research on you, looked up your 40 under 40 bio. Uh, in that bio, you called, we asked who your mentors were and you said your parents. Now, Ray, yeah. Ray Beatty, your father, like you said, is, is, a, is a bowling proprietor. Uh, tell me about your parents and what you learned from them. 
Yeah, as blue collar as blue collar gets, man. And pridefully blue collar is what I learned from um, uh, uh, my parents, uh, a lot of lessons. My dad, uh, he didn't graduate high school, uh, went to the went to the army, spent three years overseas in Germany and came back a changed man. And and he is just a man of sacrifice. He's a man that just has grinded for everything he's had in this life. Uh, and just a wonderful human being. I mean, just a wonderful man uh, who has really given everything he has to his family. My mom sacrificed a career to stay home. Um, and, I, you know, we didn't note it at the time, uh, the sacrifice it took. But looking back, we can certainly see how money was tight and, and the sacrifices they made. But it was important to her. She's the funniest human being on the planet. Um, and I'm fortunate, honestly. And, and, and we don't see this in the midst of it, but when we take a step back and look, you know, all my family, my mom and my dad's side are all in Wichita. My kids play with their fourth cousins. Wow. I think we, we did a count uh, a couple Christmases ago. There was, there was 40 some kids in our family under the age of 10. Uh, and, and, and we see each other multiple times a week and we're just so blessed by family here. It's, it's a quintessential Wichita story. Mm-hmm. It really is how people grow up here and they stay here. They raise their families here. They start businesses here and, and that really is the DNA of my family. And, and, and as an adult now, looking back, I can just see how, how blessed I've been because of it. Why did you choose to go to the University of Kansas? Interestingly enough, uh, I grew up a Jayhawk fan, but I grew up a Wichita State baseball fan. Um, mm-hmm. So I played for guys like Mark Stanford, right. Mike Jones, guys like Pat Mears were running around when I was a kid teaching me to play the game. Billy Hall, uh, Gene Stevenson was, was, was one of my heroes. And I grew up wanting to play baseball at Wichita State. Had a good career in high school, uh, three-time All-City, All-State, and had a good career. And when it all came down to it, uh, on the decision of where to play, I wanted to go to Wichita State, but they had a guy named Pat Magnus and Zach Sorensen. Uh, and I was a shortstop. I was six foot four, 175 pounds, and a guy named Zach Sorensen was playing up the middle, and I wasn't going to take his spot. They had recruited a guy named Pat Magnus at first base, which eventually is where I ended up playing. And, and I was invited to come as an honorary walk-on. And uh, at the same time, I was getting opportunities with Nebraska and Arkansas and uh, KU, K-State were calling. And, uh, and I always wanted to play close to home. Um, and I look at the opportunity at KU where I can go in and, and get a healthy scholarship and play early, play in the, what I believe to be the best conference in America, and right up the road so my family could still be involved. And that's when I made the decision to go to KU. And, uh, and looking back, it really was the greatest decision I could have ever made. Your brother followed you in, in, at KU in baseball, too. And I should say that you're a pretty darn good baseball player. If, I, if I'm reading the old stories right, you were one hit shy and one home run shy of, of school records for, for the career. Is that right? Uh, I mean, hey, since you brought it up, you gave me permission to talk about it. But, yeah, <laughs> three-time All-Conference, All-American my, my senior year, and, um, uh, and had a good career. I had single-season hits record, doubles record. I was one hit shy of the career hits record total bases. I had a good career there and I had great coaching there and I had great teammates and a great environment. And that's where I learned what I love about sports, Kurt is, and you're an old sports guy. So you get it is this is where I learned discipline. This is where I learned accountability. It's where I learned to be a good teammate. It was through sports that I learned how to compete. This is what I learned how to win, but also how to, to lose uh, graciously. The sport taught me that. I didn't learn that in my MBA program. I didn't learn that. I learned that through competing through sports. And that's why I'm such an advocate for youth sports today. Mm-hmm. 
You gave pro baseball a shot, and I'm always curious, having covered minor league baseball here in Wichita for ah. a few years, what was that experience like for you? You signed with the Tampa Bay organization. Yeah, right? so my junior year, I, I had a great year my junior year of college. Uh, I hit 380 and uh, all-conference and had an opportunity to sign early, and I, I, I got a call the morning of the draft. The Rockies were going to take me in the sixth round. Six, we have a draft party. We're all sitting there all excited. You know, this has been my dream. I'm going to leave early college. And six round comes and goes. And the Colorado takes a guy from Ole Miss or Mississippi State. And I fell out of the top 10 rounds. And, and uh, my agent called, my advisor called. And, yes. uh, and he says, what do you want to do? And I said, well, hey, man, I, I have the top 10 rounds. I'm, I'm going to go back to school. So uh, I, I two days later, I'm on a car ride out to Cape Cod, Massachusetts to play in the Cape Cod League play a great summer there, Cape All-Star, come back, play my senior year at KU, have a good year at KU. And because I was over 21, I didn't have to wait for the draft. So I could pick the organization that I wanted to sign with. And I chose Tampa Bay, the Rays. It was, in my opinion, a great organization, a quick track to the big leagues. Got off to a great start there. And then a 97-mile-per-hour fastball hit me right behind my ear. Mm. And that led to one of many concussions I got in my first year of professional baseball. Um, and I had to make a decision. Uh, so it was a tough decision, but, uh, looking back now, it was the right decision to hang it up when I did. What I also learned from your 40 under 40 bio is that at one point you thought about becoming an attorney. What went into that and why didn't you go that direction? Yeah, interesting. So I left baseball. I was 24 years old. Uh, and I actually went back to Lawrence and I went on staff at the Dole Institute of Politics and was on staff there and working while I was studying to take my LSAT and I was going to go to law school. And honestly, looking back, it, this was more an issue of I didn't know what I wanted to do. My whole life, all I was going to do was play baseball. It wasn't until an injury changed that track. And, and it was kind of had a midlife crisis at 24. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And law school, you know, seemed to be a, a track that I had interest in. But and that's when I met a guy in the mattress business. I was 24 years old. I was back in Wichita uh, over Christmas break. And, and I met a guy in the mattress business. And he was selling mattresses out of a kiosk at Town West Mall believe it or not. And somehow, some way, I'm 24, maybe just turned 25. He talks me into putting off law school and opening up mattress stores. And we founded a company called The Mattress Hub and eventually opened 26 stores across three states and never went back to law school. Um, and that was almost 18 years ago. He had to be a heck of a salesman or have a heck <laughs> yeah, of a Or I was a gullible young guy with nothing to lose. And I think it was more the latter. What what was it about that conversation that could just totally change your career arc? You know what it was, was I, I'd always kind of had an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mind. And a lot of that was just from watching my father growing up. And, and I remember the conversation we had and the, and the subsequent conversations to where I just kept thinking, my goodness, man, everybody sleeps. We're a chronically sleep deprived country. Um, the average household has three mattresses. Um, I just, I saw a business opportunity where I was like, man, everybody needs what I'm selling and nobody likes what they currently have. Um, and I just saw an opportunity and I wanted to, and I, and I saw an industry that was kind of old school and real, didn't advertise heavily. And it was, and I was like, man, there's an opportunity to come in and disrupt, uh, an industry on a local level. And, and I, so I saw opportunity and, and I wasn't married, didn't have a girlfriend, no kids, had nothing to lose. Um, and we started opening up mattress stores and, and it, this was a, this was a 9am to 9pm commitment, seven days a week for about the first six years. Um, and it was an incredible experience, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, um, but it helped shape me into who I am today. 
Also in that 40 under 40 bio, you say that you were warned to stay away from national real retailers because they were too powerful and yeah. had too many resources. And in this 40 under 40 spread, there's a picture of you with a slingshot. Yeah. What's the story of this slingshot? Kind of funny the way we used to do the, the 40 under 40. We'd have like a theme. And I know they do it a little bit differently now, but but the theme in this uh, my company at that point in time, because we really felt like we were David going against Goliath. And the initial advice was, well, don't come to Wichita. Go, go to Hutchinson, go to Salina, go to these other places, but don't come to Wichita because the big boys will crush you. Um, and when we came to Wichita, we ended up being, you know, over a period of time, carving our, our, our niche into this market. And now we're the largest mattress retailer in the state of Kansas. And, and it always felt like the David versus Goliath story, that we were the small guy that was going up against the giant. And uh, so all that advice to keep away from the big markets and keep away from the big boys, we finally... Uh, we finally decided to take the fight to them and, and, and it ended up uh, in our favor. Is there a simple key to success or, or how, how can you explain your success, I guess? Yeah, for, you know, in, in some re respects, it's it's luck and timing. I mean, honestly, I can look back and I can see timing and I can see some luck, but there is an old fashioned secret to success. And it's it's just it's just hard work. Um, you know, you got to grind. Uh, I Unfortunately, when I speak to business classes now and young entrepreneurs and I mentor them, I, I, I want to tell them the truth. There, there really is no such thing as work-life balance for an entrepreneur sometimes, particularly in a startup. It's just the truth. Um, so you, you've got to grind. I mean, it was six years straight for me uh, that I worked every day with the exception of Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving. I mean, it, it was every single day. Uh, and I could do it. I wasn't married, didn't have kids. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I could have the sacrifices it took to build Mattress Hub and to sustain Mattress Hub to 26 stores across three states. I don't know if I could have done it if I was married with kids. I it just what it took was a Herculean effort. Um, so the old fashioned secret is it's it, it, you, it's it's just old fashioned hard work. But you also have to have the validity of a good idea and a good business model. You can work a really bad business model hard and not have success. So you've got to be able to vet a good business model. You've got to be able to make adjustments. You know, we made seismic adjustments. We started initially, we started our business in malls. And it's because we didn't have a big ad budget. So we tried to take advantage of all the mall traffic. Well, as you know, and many people, it's obvious, the malls changed. Mm -hmm. So we had to adjust. We had to adapt and go spend money in big ad budgets and spend money on big, good real estate positions. And uh, But again, it's about having a good bit. So if you can... If you can combine a good, wise business model with hard work and great people, that's a recipe for success. Doesn't guarantee success, but those that's the, that's the proper cocktail. Those are the ingredients that can deliver a good business. And uh, we were fortunate. We, we've got a great business and it's, it's blessed me immensely. 26 stores in three states. Where do you stand as far as growth? Are, are you as big as you can get? How much bigger? Uh, well, 26 stores across three states was 2014. And then what had happened was it got to a point where we were so big that we weren't healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, 2014 was a year for me that was really a, an inflection point for me. I bought my business partner out. So it was just me operating it. My wife and I were starting a family. Uh, we had stores in Oklahoma and Missouri that were wonderful stores, but the, the, the management of it was very difficult for me. Uh, and I lost my joy in the business. Um, I, you know, as a 25, 26, 27 year old guy, it was all about numbers. It was about size. And, and there was a lot of pride and ego in that. You get a little older, you get more mature and you begin to understand that 
I would rather be healthy than large. And so we sold Oklahoma, we sold Missouri and divested out of Kansas City uh, and got us to a number of 13 stores just in Kansas that I can operate efficiently and manage efficiently. And, and wouldn't you know, there's more money to the bottom line at 13 stores than there was at 26. Um, funny how that works, but yeah. health is more important. I tell young entrepreneurs this, seek health. Be health is more uh, it is what you should desire, not size. Health is what you want, um, and that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way. You mentioned speaking and mentoring. Uh, is is that something that you are giving back now because you got it, or you just in the the, the service mind that you have that, that just comes natural to you? It's both. Is is I really do think that um, where much is given, much is required. Um, and I had so many wonderful mentors in my life as a young business person, as a young baseball player too, that I, there's an obligation, um, an unspoken obligation to be able to give back to the community and, and to mentor some of these young entrepreneurs. And that's kind of how I'm wired, frankly. I mean, if I didn't go into business or, or politics, I, I, I probably would have been into teaching or coaching. It's just this, this capacity to want to give back, to invest back into the, a, another generation. But you know, we need that in this community, we, we, particularly in the business sector, we need those that have walked the walk, talked the talk, fought the battles. We need them to reinvest back into this next generation of entrepreneurs, uh, this next generation of small business owners in this community. We have a rich history of entrepreneurship uh, in Wichita and in this region. I mean, it's, it's, it's storybook, frankly, some of the companies that have come from here. Um, and this generation, my generation, now we're, we're that. We have the baton now. It's been passed to us. What we do with it, we've got to be able to be a good steward over that responsibility in this community. But now it's time we also have to pass that down. And, and, and it's not an issue of pride. It's not an issue of not wanting to give back. It's an issue of the capacity of growing this place. What could we do in this place when we have a small, a thriving entrepreneurial spirit, a thriving small business community? Um, and, and whatever I can do to help in that regard, I'm all for it. I, I want to see other people win, these young people, and they have success in entrepreneurship. Uh, it's good for this community. It's good for, for the health of this community, and I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. Getting back to county government. Um, and your oh, Do we have to? Have the business side so much fun. And we are a business podcast. I should, maybe I should yeah. keep it to business. But I do want to, since you do have a new role, one thing that you said you've tried to do since since you won the election is is just make yourself known and introduce yourself to just every department in county government. Uh, and you you said staffing and hiring and, and retention is one thing that you really saw as a as a, as a critical point for the county. Yeah. What uh, what can be done? And we see this in all sorts of businesses. You probably have it in the mattress business. Yeah, we see it across all industries. It really is a staffing crisis. It isn't isolated to government or small business or even regional. I mean, this really is a national thing that we're experiencing for a lot of reasons. You know, post COVID, the supply chain was a wreck. We, we you know, we, we, we got, we had all this artificial liquidity that was in the market. It really threw the fundamentals out of whack. Um, County government is a unique form of government. Most people don't understand. That's different than city and municipal government. You know, Central County government, it's, it's a political subdivision of the state. So, you know, we operate 16 departments on behalf of the state, the sheriff, the judicial courts, you know, election office, aging. And there's 45 departments in county government. 
we have elected officials in county government. We have appointed officials. So it's a different beast than what city government is. Um, and what I've been contending for is that because of that, the county's got to get it back to its core functionality, which is public safety, public health, and public works. That's the core functionality. And when we get out of that core functionality, we get just like a business, you get overextended and you, and, and you lose effectiveness in the core functionality. Well, when you lose effectiveness in the core functionality of county government, it translates into bad government service, particularly in public safety. Um, and you, we've seen this. You know, we were down at ComCare, which is mental health. ComCare was down at 1.200 people uh, in the midst of a, of, a, of a soaring mental health crisis. Uh, uh, the, the sheriff's office was down. Uh, last count I saw was 112 deputies. Uh, they were pulling commissioned deputies from the street and putting them in the county jail. Uh, while we're also seeing soaring and surging crime, uh, 1,500 inmates, 120 murder suspects. So, uh, you know, EMS, I mean, that was well publicized. We lost a third of our EMS workforce over the course of two years, meaning tangibly the response times were not where they needed to be. People's lives were legitimately put in danger. Uh, so when you talk about getting, if I talk about it at the Mattress Hub or any of my other companies, getting stability, staffing stability, that's so that I can stabilize operations. When we talk about staffing stability for county government, it's so we can perform good government service. And many of this is in public safety. So we've got to get to core functionality. Morale matters. Competitive wage matters. Uh, compensation and, 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 and competitive compensation. All these things matter. Uh, these are principles that, that, uh, that we've got to contend for because uh, we got to give good government service. Mm -hmm. Ryan, we look forward to covering how you try to tackle all of that as you get started. Congratulations on winning the election and, and good luck to you as we follow you along in your first year. Yeah, thanks, thanks for always enjoy these conversations. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 295. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.